0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the least of these podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much, and God bless you. to the Lord in prayer, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And he says, oh, what needless sorrow, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we don't take everything to God in prayer. He wants us to take everything to Him, and He wants us to trust Him with it all. And so today we're going to be back in John chapter 6. We kind of got to verse 35, and I just vainly read it a couple of weeks ago, and I was basically stopped right there. If you remember, uh, we've been talking about the book of John, and we've been seeing all the signs and the wonders and the miracles. We've been seeing the, the testimony of John, the testimony of the Father, the testimony of his works, and how Jesus has told him he's God, and... They don't believe Him in chapter 5 that he's, he's rejected by the folks in Jerusalem. And this week we'll see He's rejected by the people in Galilee. That basically what Jesus is doing is giving everybody an opportunity to hear who He is and to know who He is. Gives them every opportunity. And this week He's going to make it so clear. He's going to tell them that everybody can come, that He's come down from heaven, and that uh, He's going to raise us up at the last day, and that mainly that He's God. He is that bread from heaven. And so as we look at this section this morning, remember He's been talking about who He is, and He's bearing witness, and He's fed the 5,000, and they want, all they want is more bread. They don't. They. They're like the woman at the well. She said, "Give me this water, so that I may not thirst, or I have to come here to drink." They say, "Give us this bread, that we may eat evermore." They just look him as the heavenly bread machine, the heavenly bread shop, and that they don't seem to care about who he really is, and they really don't. So let's back up to chapter six, verse uh, thirty-three. I just want to read from there. He says. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to Him, Lord, give us this bread always. They're still thinking in physical terms. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me shall never hunger and shall never thirst. And he who believes in Me shall never thirst. So he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So the one that comes to him is the one that believes in him, right? Jesus refers to himself four times in this section from 33 to 51 as the bread of life uh, or the bread of God. He tells us that he'll raise us up four times at the last day. And, and he, he says he's come down from heaven about eight times. He can't make it any more clear that he's God in human flesh. One man compared the manna to Jesus Christ. He said, it came from heaven at night. And Christ came from heaven when men in da- were in darkness. It fell on the dew and Christ came, born of the Spirit of God. It was not defiled by the earth. Christ was sinless, separate from sinners. It was small, round, and white, suggesting His humility, His eternality, and His purity. It was sweet to the taste. Christ is sweet to those who trust Him. It had to be taken and eaten. Christ must be received and appropriated by faith. It came as a free gift, and Christ is the free gift to the world. That there was sufficient for all, and Christ is sufficient for all. And if you did not pick it up, you walked on it. If you do not receive Christ, you reject Him and walk on Him. And so the bottom line is, is that bread that came down from heaven was just a picture of who Jesus was going to be. That He was the one that was going to satisfy our deepest hunger, our deepest thirst, and the only one that can satisfy our deepest cravings of life is jesus christ and if you don't know jesus christ and you got one of those empty spots inside of you it's because you don't know christ christ is the one that makes us complete he is the one that fills us up that that bread only filled temporarily you know if you eat especially bread or something it'll it'll hold you for a little while right but it doesn't hold you for very long I learned a trick a long time ago that when I got hungry and I knew supper was fairly close or I needed to hold off for just a little while, I could eat me two or three pieces of bread and that would hold me just for a little bit, right? It wouldn't hold me very long. It wouldn't spoil my supper, but it would hold me for just a little while and then I'd be hungry again and it wouldn't spoil my supper. But you know, Jesus is promising us, total satisfaction, total, complete filling because the Bible says that God wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit when we're saved. He gets rid of those cravings and those hungers for things in this world that that don't satisfy anyway. But Jesus tells them, He says, I am the bread of life. And this is this great I am statement literally saying the same thing that that god said to moses in the desert he said i am he says who shall i say sent me he says say that i am sent you not that i was not that i will be but i am i always have been and i always will be and so he says i am the bread of life and he who comes to me and he says that over and over and over again about coming and And hearing and listening and and being taught by Him. And all of these are synonymous with believing on Jesus Christ. Because you have to see And the only way you can see Him is if you believe. Uh, The way you really understand who Jesus is, is by trusting in Him. And He says, He that comes to Me shall never hunger. And he who believes in Me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. He's right there in their face, he's right there where they're at, and and they still don't believe. They've seen his miracles, they've seen the healings, they've seen the man's eyes recreated, they've seen five thousand well five thousand men, but probably fifteen or twenty thousand people fed. They they haven't seen Lazarus raised from the dead yet. But they've seen so many miracles. And yet, they don't believe. Remember how the Jews were in the desert? They saw the Shekinah glory. That was the glory of God. By day, it covered them with a cloud so they didn't burn up in the desert. And by night, it was a fire to keep them warm and to protect them and to guide them and to lead them. Brought water out of the rock. Every day, He brought enough manna to feed probably anywhere from one to five million people. You know, there's somebody said that would take 300 railroad cars every single day to feed that many people. Can you imagine 300 railroad cars full of food to feed those people in the desert? And that's what God provided every day for these people that were in the desert. Plus the water. Can you imagine how much water they could drink? And that was just the that was just the food. they seen all these miracles. And just as the Jews grumbled in the desert, just as they grumbled even after they'd seen all the miracles, Jesus says, You've seen Me and you haven't believed. And then He says, All that the Father gives Me will come to Me. Verse 37. And the one who comes to Me I will by no means cast out. So He says, All the Father gives Me. That's like the group, the church... And he says, And the one, the individual that comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I know sometimes people have talked about the doctrine of election, that God chooses people. You know, God does draw people. God does choose people. How He chooses them is up for debate. But the bottom line is, is as one man said, or as the Bible says, whosoever will come to him and believe shall be saved. And that's the bottom line. We trust in Him and we believe in Him and we want to come to Him. Just come on. The Bible says, Whosoever will, whoever believes, shall be saved. And so He says that the Father gives to the Son a love gift. He gives these people who are going to be saved. And He says, And the ones that come, He's not going to cast them out. In other words... That speaks of eternal security. Once you, got, you, once you have come in to the fold of being saved and trusted Jesus Christ, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And, and you can never lose your salvation. I know some people believe that. But the Bible says very clearly that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And that He will by no means cast out So He's not going to get rid of you if you come. And then He says in verse 38, For I have come down from heaven. There's another one of those come down from heaven phrases. Not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. He he has said this, I don't know how many times he said it. He didn't come down to do His own will, but He came down to do the will of the Father. And then He says, verse 39, This is the will of the Father who sent Me, that of all He has given Me, I should lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. Jesus says here, the will of the Father is that the ones that He gives them, He's not going to lose anything, right? The Bible tells us in Romans 8, it tells us in uh, John ten twenty eight. He says that the Father is greater than all. No one can snatch Him out of His hand. And He tells us in in many other places that that there's no way that God's going to let us go. Once He has us, we belong to Him. Romans 8 says, can tribulation or persecution or nakedness or peril or any other thing separate us from the love of God? No. No. It can't. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Once God has set his love on us, he doesn't say, Oh, well, I'm sorry you didn't meet my conditions. I'm going to let you go. See, the bottom line was is we didn't do anything to get saved. The Bible says, remember what Jesus told them back there in a little bit earlier in the chapter he, he, he told them he said they said uh what must we do to do the works of God? Verse 28, uh, Jesus said, This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom, you, whom He sent. In other words, the only way you're going to come to Me, uh, the work of God, is, is helping people believe and helping them be saved. And if you believe, then, then that's all that's necessary. And you can't even do that on your own because He says, None comes to the Father Unless the Father draws him. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. And today we got all these seeker-sensitive churches and people playing all this music and doing all these things and trying to bring in a crowd. But the Bible says there's none that seeks God. No, not one. So if God didn't draw us and, and love us, the Bible says in First John 4.10 that we love Him because He what? First loved us, right? And so if He didn't first love us, the Bible says that we wouldn't love Him. And so He's drawing us. He's wooing us. He loves us. He cares for us. And He's drawing us in because He wants us to show, as John says in First John, behold, how great the love of the Father towards His children. He says the will of God is that of all He's given me, I should lose nothing. He's not going to lose anybody that comes to Him. If you come to Him, He's got you. And you're not going anywhere. He's going, If you come to Him for salvation, He's going to take you to heaven one day. It's as plain and simple as that. And if you believe anything else and you just haven't really read your Bible real good, because many, many, many places the Bible tells us we are eternally secure in our salvation. But there's a couple of passages that are not real super clear and people base that whole teaching on that. But you can't base your beliefs on a couple of verses that don't seem to be clear when the whole rest of the Bible says that God will never leave us and never forsake us. That He will lose nothing that He will raise it up on the last day. That means at the end of time when, when He comes back, those that belong to Him, He's talking about the the, the resurrection. that the, He says that the dead in Christ shall rise and so shall we ever be with the Lord forevermore. That's the will of God. That He's going to lose nothing and He's going to raise it up. And look at this. He says in verse 40, he says, And this is the will of Him who sent Me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. He says it again, This is the will of Him who sent Me. What is that will? That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. So how do you see the Son? We see Him through the word. We see him through what he's has been we've been told about him in his word. We don't have to physically see him. The Bible says one day we'll be like him and we'll see him as he is. See, once we trust in him and believe in him, God shows us who he is. It's amazing how God will show people who really want to know that he's there. He will show them. But people who spurn Him, people who reject Him, people who disbelieve and, and distrust Him, He turns His back on them. And we're going to see that happen in this next section of Scripture. Because He says that whoever believes in Him may have everlasting life and I'll raise Him up the last day. He just said that, right? He, he's going to have everlasting life. How long is everlasting life? Everlasting, right? Forever, right? Eternal life. How can you say that you're going to lose something if it's eternal? And then it says in verse 41, Then the Jews... Remember that term, the Jews, always speaks to those that opposed Jesus. They were the crowd that opposed Jesus. He says, The Jews then complained or murmured about Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. So here the Jews are with the national pastime of grumbling and complaining. Philippians 2 says, verse 12 says, do all things without complaining and murmuring. He tells us that God may approve us. We need to do all things without complaining and murmuring. But they have this as a national pastime. They said in verse 42, they complained because He said He's the bread that came down from heaven. They knew He was claiming to be God. They knew He was saying He was God. And they said in verse 42, and they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that He says, I have come down from heaven? We know this guy. We know where he came from. We know who he is. But they didn't look far enough back in his past. They say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But they didn't realize that He had actually been born in Bethlehem like He was supposed to be. Bethlehem of Judea, right? As the prophets foretold, He was going to be born there. He was actually born there. But they say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This guy's just got a regular mama and a regular daddy. But the Bible has said the child will be born of a virgin. And His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And the government shall be upon His shoulders. So many places in the Old Testament it predicted Jesus that He was coming, that He was going to be the Savior of the world. Jesus, that name just means Savior of the world. He shall save His people from their sins. And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. And there it is again. And I will raise him up at the last day. He says, Don't murmur among yourselves. No one can come to Me unless the Father draws him. And He says, And I will raise him up at the last day. He said, It is written by the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. You know, he's probably quoting either Isaiah 54 verse 13 or Jeremiah 31 verse 34 where he says that they will all be taught of God. And he says no more shall any man need anybody to teach them because they will all be taught of God. And this is an Old Testament prediction that Jesus, that God is going to teach His people. And He says, "...therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to Me." So if you've heard that truth and learned from the Father, come you come to Him, right? He says anyone that sees, anyone that believes, anyone that's been heard and has been taught by the Father... In other words, when you hear the Word of God, if you believe it and listen to it, and God teaches you something. You know, many people sit in church and they hear the Word of God and they hear it and they hear it and you know what they do? It goes in one ear, comes out the other. They hear it, but they don't believe it. They hear it, they don't learn anything. But here He says, everyone that hears and is taught and has learned from the Father, And then he says next, he says those that that come to him, that Jesus says that not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus says nobody has seen the Father except for me. I'm the only one that's seen the Father. (laughs) Do you know that? To be in a relationship with God is to be in a relationship with Jesus. If we know God the Son, we know God the Father. And now what he told Philip, if you you know you say show me the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He goes on and he says verse 47, Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me has everlasting life. There it is. No one has everlasting life but he that believes on him, right? Everlasting life is eternal life. And he says it again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. And this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Basically, Jesus says, I am the bread of life again. I am the one that satisfies your deepest longings, your deepest needs. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. They died because that bread is only temporary bread. And ultimately, you're going to die. He says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Not that we wouldn't die physically, but we wouldn't die spiritually. He says, I am the living bread which came down from him. There it is. He came down again. If anyone lives eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus is not talking about eating his flesh. He says, if anyone, the bread I, bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And in verse 52, we'll see this next time. He says, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. How can this man give his flesh to eat? What Jesus is saying is if you partake of His life, if you partake of who He is, because see, the Bible tells us in in Leviticus 17, the life is in the blood. And Jesus, or God said, which is Jesus, that if anyone kills a man, what happens? Then his life shall be given for another man because he has shed blood. The whole deal is, as the Bible tells us, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And I know we don't like to talk about that, but Jesus, when He died on that cross, what did He do? He shed His blood that you and I might have eternal life. He died. The night before He was hung on the cross, they they had the first Passover, not the first Passover, but the first uh, communion, basically, service, and and He had the bread. And He says, Take this is my body. Eat of it. In other words, he, you know, when we take communion, what do we do? We remember the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that His body was beaten and, and whipped and hung on the cross. And He bore our sins in His body. In His flesh. That's what we're remembering. And when we partake of His flesh, when we take of His body, that means... That we're willing to partake of the life that Jesus lived. That yes, we get eternal life. Yes, we, we get heaven. Yes, we get joy and peace and abundant life. But it also means that some of that suffering, some of that stuff that got poured out on Him may get poured out on us because of what happened to Him. The Bible says all who desire to live godly shall suffer. You know, we suffer because people don't like what we believe. A lot of people don't want to believe in Jesus. Most people don't want to. You know, most people say, yeah, I believe in God. But they're like the people of this Bible here. The Jews that murmured and complained. Yeah, they believe in a God of their own making. A God that will feed them to the bread evermore. That will satisfy their needs. But they don't want a God that says take up your cross daily deny yourself and follow me they don't want a God that says that if you give up houses or land or family or anything I'll give you more than a hundred fold they don't want a God that says give up your stuff whoever loses his life shall gain it I mean really the life of a Christian is opposite what the world says have you ever noticed that? That if God says it's wrong, they say it's right. And so Jesus says, Take of my flesh, which I give. That's my life. That's my blood. I'm going to shed it for you. And he's the living bread. We need to be willing to partake of what Jesus did for us and realize that some of that may come back on us. Hebrews 10:10 says. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then in John ten twenty eight, I referred to this early. He said, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. And so the bottom line today, folks, is, is Jesus does satisfy. Jesus does complete us and fill us up. But He doesn't exempt us from life's problems. He doesn't exempt us from life's uh, difficulties. Remember what He said in John sixteen thirty three: In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, right? And so just as He suffered, we may suffer for Him. We may suffer just because this is a fallen world. But the bottom line is, if we trust Jesus Christ... If God be for us, who can be against us? That God loves us. That He died for us. That we need to make sure that we believe in Him. Because He's made it so clear. And yet many people today will not go to heaven because they're not willing to believe. Isn't that what Jesus said? You have seen Me, and yet you do not believe. Many people have heard And yet, they've not believed. You know, this is the best-selling book in the world. Always has been. Always will be. There's got to be a reason. Because this is God's Word. This is God's truth. We either believe Him or we don't. That's, That's the eternal question. Do you believe? And if you believe, trust in Him for eternal life. If you haven't already. Because... He says, whoever comes to me, I will in no ways cast out. That's a way of saying if you come to him, there's no way that he's going to push you away. That's one of these statements, I forget what you call it. Grammar says that it's a positive and a negative. Basically, he's saying it two different ways. If you come to me, I'm not going to cast you out. Both ways He says it. He makes it very clear. Come to Him, all you who are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You. We praise You for who You are this morning. And we just ask today that You would uh, be with us as we uh, go through the rest of the day and the rest of the week. And I pray... For all these folks here, Lord, that you would be with them. I know some of them have tough time and with difficulties, physical and different things going on, Lord. So I pray for each one of them. I pray for those that didn't feel like coming this morning, weren't able to come because of uh, ailments and just not feeling good. And Lord, we just pray especially for those that didn't come this morning. Because they weren't interested in hearing about your son, Jesus. And they were not willing to come. And so, Lord, the Bible says, how can they believe if they've not heard? And how can they hear unless somebody is sent? So, Lord, I just pray that you would draw more of these folks to you. That you would bring them out of their doors in the mornings and get them out of their beds. And fill this room up, Lord that many more might be saved and know You as their Lord and Savior. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's sing uh, number 16. Why don't we sing number 16? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer just the time I need Him. He is always near.